from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. Hear, Hear the word of God. In those days, John the Baptist was preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. But when, he, <clears throat> pardon me, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not presume to say for yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit, good fruit, is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, and the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The grass withers, the flowers fade away, but the word of our God will stand forever. Hallelujah, and thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your inspired word, your life-giving word, and we pray, Lord, that you would Write it on our hearts, that you would change us by it, that it, you would accomplish your goodwill in us by it and equip us for all our kingdom labors. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> the, uh, the sermon, uh, the, 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 the bulletin is not accurate. The sermon title is the kingdom of God. I love thy kingdom, Lord, was a suggested hymn. It's just the kingdom of God. Uh, kingship is strange to us. <clears throat> you remember the dialogue. I, I assume you've seen uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> and you, <clears throat> basic cultural literacy. And you remember that scene where uh, between Arthur and the peasants the peasants who are mucking in the muck, and Arthur is approaching a castle. And it's funny because you've got Arthur, king of the Britons, and you've got these peasants who think in 20th century terms. So Arthur says, I am Arthur, king of the Britons. And then one of the peasants says, who are the Britons? Why, we're all Britons, and I am your king. He says, I didn't vote for you, says the peasant. You don't vote for king, says Arthur. Well, how do you become king then? See, and that's funny because they wouldn't question these things. <laughs> they can't imagine any form of government other than elective representative government. 
Whereas 12th century Arthur can't imagine the right to rule other than by combat and noble lineage. But kingship isn't so strange to us. And I know this because people watch the Lord of the Rings and, and, and there's Theoden. And, and no one says, well, I just can't relate to this. It's a king. Right? And there's Aragorn. And, and we admire them and, we're in, and, and, and we approve them. And we're not at all offended by it. The fact that they are kings. But, we, but the way you are governed influences the way you think. We are democratic people through and through. Not only in our government, but in our behavior. We're democratic in our behavior. We're democratic in our attitudes. Democracy is that we are all equal. And no one, and meaning that no one has the right to rule over anyone else, except by people's consent, because we're all equal. But as Christians, we are not simply democratic. Of course we're democratic. We live in a democracy with everyone who is not a Christian. But we are not simply democratic. We are citizens of two kingdoms at the same time, an earthly kingdom and a heavenly kingdom. And both of these kingdoms demand complete obedience, complete allegiance, I should say, complete allegiance. Uh, we, uh, we, uh, of course, we are, we are called to, to obey and submit to uh, God's heavenly government, but government down here also expects us to be ultimately loyal to it. And, and the reason there's this, this, this both kingdoms demand total allegiance is that one of them is sinful. And so their demands conflict with each other. Uh, there are some demands that are, that are common to both kingdoms. Both kingdoms say, you shall not murder. Both kingdoms say, pay your taxes. But on some points, they diverge. The heavenly kingdom says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and serve him only. The earthly kingdom says, honor homosexual relationships. The earthly kingdom says, abortion is good, and it's a woman's right. And did I mention it's good? It's a good thing. They diverge. And our hearts, living in this world, citizens of an earthly realm and citizens of a heavenly realm, our hearts are pulled between God and politics. Which is your chief love? Which has ultimate authority over you? God or king? God or country? Which has the chief influence over how you see yourself? Your relationship with others? Your relationship with God? Your relationship with the world? We are subjects of the king before we are citizens of our democracy. He is the perfect ruler. Some governments are better than others down here. You know, we all know this. Some are pretty darn good, and some are absolutely wretched. I'll be praying later at Trinity Church for the church in North Korea, for example. But God is the perfect ruler. He loves us 
perfectly. He knows perfectly what is good for us. And he is almighty in bringing it about. Your view of all things must be shaped, as a Christian, must be shaped fundamentally by your citizenship in the kingdom of God. Amen. Thus, the passage today on the kingdom of God. Uh, so, so for this reason, it is good news when John the baptizer comes preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew's Jewish leaders, uh, readers, I should say, understood this. They understood that God is king. Regardless of what's happening down here, regardless of, of who they are, are under, uh, God is king. And so uh, God is king, first of all, over Israel. Isaiah 43, I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator, your king. He is their king because he's their creator. But also they know that he was king of kings, king over all the earth. Uh, Psalm 103, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Because of this, he can judge. Because he's king over all, the whole of creation and every nation of the earth and all the kings of the earth, he can judge not only Israel, but also anyone and everyone in the world. And so you have the flood, right? The flood was a judgment on all the nations of the earth, all the peoples of the earth, and God called them to judgment in that act. And then the conquest of Canaan, Canaan, pagan nations, nations that didn't know anything about Yahweh, God said their sin has reached its fullness. And he sent Israel in. He took the land from them, gave it to Israel, and he conquered uh, them uh, by Israel. And then, of course, there's Jonah and Nineveh. Jonah, God's prophet. He sends him to Nineveh, which is like modern-day Spain, I'm told. And he sends his prophet all the way to Nineveh to call them to repentance. And he can do this because he's king over all the earth. But he tells his people that the day is coming when his kingship will take a new form. When God created Adam, he made Adam king over all creation, right? Under God, right? Take dominion over the earth, you and your descendants after you. And, and there was no plan for Adam to die. He's going to continue with all his descendants. And Adam, the head of the home, head of the family, he's going to be king over all the earth. This bit and then extending out. <clears throat> uh, God was to reign through him over all the earth. And hence the command, take dominion over all the earth. <clears throat> but then came the fall. Everything followed Satan in his rebellion. Rebellion against God's kingship. God is still king over creation at this point. Uh, It's his right as creator, but the creation is in rebellion. The history of redemption, brothers and sisters, is the history of God the great king putting down the rebellion of sin and reestablishing his kingdom. And this kingdom of God has a king, and that king is Jesus. And we see that in the passage this morning. Here, John, the herald of the king, announces the king's coming. Repent for the kingdom of heaven, 
The kingdom of God is at hand. And, 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 and I, I, I've heard some people distinguish between the kingdom of heaven. Well, there's the kingdom of heaven and there's the kingdom of God. No, there's not. Right? Uh, Matthew uses the word kingdom of heaven because he's speaking to a primarily Jewish audience who are sensitive about using the name of God, so he calls it the king of heaven. Uh, it's the same as the kingdom of God. It's a different way of saying the same thing. Uh, and this king is born of the royal line. Jesus is descended from King David on both sides of his family, we, we read in the scriptures, different from different gospel accounts. And, and, and he comes performing miracles. And the scripture tells us these miracles are signs of the kingdom. It's a sign. It's not like there was miracles all the time in, in Bible times. No, very discreet times. Right? The uh, Elijah and Elisha, of course, Moses before that, and now. Otherwise, there were no miracles. Uh, but now, uh, uh, lots of miracles, signs of the kingdom. It's a sign that the king has come. Uh, Amen. It's a sign of his authority as king. Authority over demons. Authority over nature. Authority over sickness. Authority even over death. Amen. And then the cross, the resurrection, and the ascension. Right? The ascension to the right hand of God. His enthronement. His enthronement in heaven. It's not like we're looking one day for Jesus to take the throne. He's enthroned now. We're not looking forward to for one day Jesus coming back and ruling. Yes. He will come back. But he's already ruling. Right? Ascension. Enthronement. He is King Jesus. And he is King Jesus over everything. And King Jesus over you. And this kingdom has citizens. Having introduced this royal theme of the kingdom of God, Matthew quotes Isaiah uh, this, about the messenger who's coming ahead to prepare the way. Here. I have this printed out in large print so I, I can read it. So, for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness... Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight his paths. When a king visited one of his cities, he would send an emissary ahead of him to prepare his way, to prepare the place, uh, prepare the people for the, the arrival of the king. And, and we understand this because we do this in our homes, right? Uh, you're having guests, you're having company, and uh, kids, tidy up. <laughs> and, and you put things straight, you put things away so that this company whom you are honoring uh, is properly honored by a tidy house. I remember our house was never tidy except when, when grandma was coming from Scotland, right? And, and then, why isn't it like this all the time? Well, David, because of you, right? But, and so the, this is what happens when, when the king comes to town. And, and again, we understand this because in our presidential politics, we do the same thing. Uh, 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 a, a, a president, when he's coming in to speak at a certain event, he sends ahead of him an advance team, right? Yeah, an advance sure. team to make sure everything is staged properly, the right people are there for the photo opportunities, and just to make sure all the transitions are smooth and, and uh, everything, is, everything is suitable for his, 
for his coming and presentation. But that is about managing the appearance of the president for the people. Uh, This is about managing the appearance of the people for the king. But this is a king and a coming and a kingdom of a different kind. Uh, Notice how the people are to prepare themselves. Uh, Not outwardly, wash your clothes, straighten up the road, get the the trash out of the road, uh, this sort of thing. No, they are to prepare themselves spiritually. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the king is coming. It's a change of heart, a straightening of the heart that is called for here. The concern is not for clean streets. It's for clean hearts. This preparation is also a gracious preparation. In a sense, it's something that you do, right? The the word repent, therefore, you see the exclamation point. It's in the, uh, the, uh, the imperative. It is imperative that you do this. You repent. Something you do. But one repents in view of fundamentally what God does. Right? This, he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Notice that the people don't baptize themselves. Right. The calling is not baptize yourselves because the king is coming. Uh, perform cleansing rituals uh, to make yourself worthy of the king. Baptism is not something you do to say something to God and to say something to others. They are, verse 6, they were baptized. Passive voice. It happens to them. Somebody else does it. Uh, There are many cleansing rituals in the ancient Near East. Uh, People... bathing of things, immersing of things. Uh, and and the, uh, the Jews would have, they developed this, not in the scriptures, but they would, they would just to make sure uh, and signal the right things, they would have all kinds of baptism rituals. They would baptize their utensils. They would baptize their hands uh, before, before, in case they touched a Gentile. Uh, they would even baptize couches. Uh, but this is not what, is, what we're seeing here. Uh, no, God's prophet administers baptism to them. They must be washed, they must be sprinkled, they must be cleansed, not just by water, but by the blood of Christ and the Spirit of God. Verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and with fire. And it must be so. It has to be this way, because this king is holy. He's not just in charge. He's holy. And so verse 6, And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. And then verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am unworthy to carry. Whose sandals I am unworthy. Sandals are what you wear on your feet. Right? And, and, and uh, we don't think much of feet. I say, I say, feet, feet's just another part of the body. Uh, but 
in the ancient Near East and in the current Near East, because not much changes in the in 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 the in the, in the East. Um, uh, the, uh, the we speak of kings having having the nation under their feet, right? And if you recall, uh, when Saddam Hussein, modern Middle East, right? Saddam Hussein fell from power. Uh, the people who were very happy with this went into the squares. They had pictures of Saddam and they would take off their shoes and hit it, right? Not because, well, what am I going to hit this with? Oh, my shoe is available. No, it's they're putting him under their feet, uh, which is, is, which is uh, 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 subjection, but it is also humiliation, right? And uh, when George W. Bush, uh, President uh, Bush, after, after the uh, thing settled down, he was over there having a press conference a room, something like this, and a reporter at the back took off his shoe and he threw it at him. And uh, Bush was pretty agile, so he didn't get him, and then he took the other one off and threw that. Not just because he didn't have anything available to him, it was his shoe. It was his, his feet, right? Uh, so, so here, uh, I am not worthy... Uh, to carry his sandal. This is a genuinely worthy king. His kingdom is a righteous kingdom. Uh, His rule is righteous. And he rules over the righteous. Verses 8 and 10, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Verse 8, verse 10, every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 12, he will gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. There is an old song. We sang a spiritual here this morning, just earlier. There is an old song. I think, does it count as a spiritual? I don't know. Uh, But this this train is bound for glory, this train. This train is bound for glory, this train. This train is bound for glory. Don't carry none but the righteous and the holy. This train is bound for glory, this train. And you might be thinking, but I am not righteous. I want to be on that train, but I'm not righteous. Who is worthy of this king? And the psalmist asks the same question. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? Psalm 15. Who can say, I am lovely, wholesome wheat, ready for the king's barn? You may be saying, look at, I look at myself and I just see chaff. If I look at myself and see chaff, what does the righteous and holy God see when he looks at me? But he graciously makes his people worthy. He makes them worthy. He makes them in the first place. Saul, so the fall sinned and defiled them and he makes them worthy again. The creator who created them. Uh, Redeems them from sin, purifies them uh, of all unrighteousness. First of all, he lifts you. Uh, uh, Your head is bowed in shame, in unworthiness. In in the ancient Near East, uh, you would... uh, And you can see it in The King and I. If you've seen the movie The King and I or or Anna and the King, right? Uh, Your head is... And that's... that's, that's, uh, um, What is it? uh, Laos? Um, Siam, right? and uh, uh, no one's head is allowed to be higher than the king's head. 
and and you do and you bow when you come in, and he he either lifts your head or he doesn't, right? and so uh, uh, because you do not make direct eye contact with the king, who do you think you are? But he lifts your head. First Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. And he does. And he purifies you. He doesn't just, just entertain a lie. Well, let's pretend that you're, you're in good standing. No, no. He purifies you. Malachi 3, 3. He will purify the sons of Levi and purchase them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Right? Notice, in righteousness. Because he purifies you. And he fits you then. He lifts you, he purifies you, and he fits you for his service. Ephesians 4, he himself gave pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Now, it could have said, and it would not have surprised us if it said, he gave pastors and teachers for the work of ministry. We wouldn't have batted an eye. But it doesn't say that. It says more than that. He gave pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. You. He fits you for the work of ministry. Democratic thinking says, and I mean small d democratic in the sense that we're all democratic, uh, it is slavish to serve a king as subject as opposed to live as a free citizen. Uh, Well, there's something noble as living as a free citizen. But to serve a great king is ennobling and elevating. It struck me, uh, and when I was an undergraduate reading uh, uh, you know, the, the Death of Arthur, and I'm reading about, about uh, all these uh, knights of the round table, uh, great knights, noble gentlemen, and they're serving Arthur, and, and they don't, and this is an earthly king, but a good one. And they don't think, well, why should I serve him? I'm a great knight. I'll wait for my chance and then put him off the throne and I'll put myself where I'm... No, they don't, they don't find it at all humiliating to serve Arthur, even though they are great knights, because he is a good king. It's actually ennobling, I thought. I still think it's ennobling to serve a good and great and, 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 and just king. Um, By serving God, you grow in godliness. You participate in his dignity, his kingly dignity. As a democratic person, to wrap up, uh, as a democratic person, insofar as you're a democratic person, you think the world begins and ends with you. We're We're taught to believe that, right? I am an individual. I am a really a special individual. The world begins and ends with me. Uh, your rights, your goals, your opinions. And you are sure that God respects your rights and shares your goals and opinions. I mean, why wouldn't he? <clears throat> but first and foremost, you belong to a kingdom and you are the subject of a king. And this means two things for us. Uh, first of all, his word is your law. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
When you face a moral question, you don't consult your feelings. No, you ask, what does God say about this question? What does God say? Not what do I feel or what do I think? What does God say? Your opinions are only that until they are confirmed by his truth. And so, brothers and sisters, what does this mean? Saturate yourself in God's word. Right? Not just read it from time to time. Saturate yourself so that your mind is saturated. At Christmas, I don't know, you know what a trifle is? A trifle? It's a British thing. Um, I don't know if there's an American equivalent to it. A sponge that is... That is, and, and you pour like brandy in it, and 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 maybe Jello as well, uh, and 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 it's and it's the sponge is saturated with the Jello and the brandy, and is there something like that in America? No. no. Well, you can easily imagine it. The uh, that's the way we're to be with God's word, saturated in God's word. So it's part of us. It's part of our thinking. It's, it's how we think about the world. It's, it's not just the lens through which we view the world, unless you're talking about the lenses in your eyes, right? Not lenses that sit out in front of your eyes. Lenses that are part of you. Amen. Right? You don't take them off. I take these off so I can read better. I've got one of the things I need to do before I go. Uh, but, 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 these, but these lenses... That, that never leave you. That's the word of God. It's part of you. It's part of it's just the way you see the world. And second, so it's his word is your law. Uh, he sets second, he sets your direction and he designs your purpose. You don't ask, what do I want to do with my life? I mean, I, I'm, I'm a college teacher, right? And and college students come in with all their their potential and, and, and their growing thoughts of the world and, and understanding of themselves. And, and they, they choose a major, uh, either immediately or eventually. And some of them, I've always wanted to be a whatever. And some of them, I've, I'm trying to figure myself out. And they ask, you know, what do I want to do with my life? But the question is not that, but what is God calling me to do? That is a question. It's a question for, for young people. It's a question for old people. What is God calling me to do? And God's calling may change over the course of your life. You start off doing this, and then he calls you into that. Look at me. Called me to be a professor, then he called me to be a pastor, then he called me to be a professor again, and now he's calling me to be a pastor again somewhere else. (laughs) Calls me here, calls me there. Yes, sir. Yes, Your Majesty. Yes, sir. Off we go. Amen. So in his service, all your work is important. All your work, not only important, all your work is glorious. Yes. Why? Because it is, I'm not just flattering you. It's glorious because it's in Christ. It's glorious because it's in obedience to King Jesus. King Jesus gives it to you for him, for his work. It's him working through you in the world. So it's glorious and it's good and it's important because it is God's work. Uh, and it's not just pastors and missionaries. 
Now that that's the Roman Catholic view that like you have the the uh, the ordained people, the priests and the nuns and the monks, and what they do is holy, and what you do is secular, and they're different. No, um, the work of pastors and missionaries is 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 uh, is especially noble. First Timothy three one says you. He who desires the office of an elder desires a good thing, uh, but all royal service is important. Whether it's plumbing, or changing diapers, or accounts receivable, or filmmaking, or small business, or driving a truck, it's all good. How do I know it's good? How is it good? It is, how do I know if it's God's work? It's God's work and it is noble if it is done righteously, first of all. You can do good work badly. You can do good work unrighteously. But it's good work if it's done righteously. Um, But it's also good work if it's a blessing to people. If it's a way that God is working through you for godly ends. And that might just mean... Uh, helping people with their plumbing. That might just mean keeping the electric grid working. That might just mean uh, uh, you know, serving up a product over a counter um, righteously, a good product. <clears throat> uh, if it helps people lead good lives. There's a lot involved in, in people leading good lives, raising their children, uh, 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 getting exercise, uh, 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 keeping the lights on, if it helps people to lead good lives, and if it shows them the goodness and purity of God, you, you just you, like maybe you drive your car and it's driving properly uh, because it's well maintained and it was recently fixed and, and it's on good tires, and you just drive. Thank you, God. You're amazing that you made a world in which. This car is possible to drive in this way and get me safely and quickly, not too quickly, from one place to another to do your work. And, and you drive worshipfully. And, 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 and then you have your lunch. And there's good bread that is affordable. And it, and it transports whatever between the, the pieces of bread into your mouth conveniently. And you say, thank you, Lord, uh, that these things are possible for the goodness of your creation in this bread, this peanut butter, this whatever. And, and you eat worshipfully. Right? If, people can, if people can use your product or your service worshipfully, then it is royal service that yes. you provide. But if you, but if you provide something and a service, a product, and you, you say, uh, God, God is pleased with this. This helps people lead godly lives. You, if you can't say that without feeling silly, it's pro- whatever you do, whether in word or do, deed, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all for the glory of God. That's got a rule, rule of thumb, right, of life. You need rules of thumb. Uh, rule of thumb. If you can't say, I do this for the glory of God without feeling silly, without mm-hmm. feeling shame, mm-hmm. then don't do it. Right? Well, that's... well, often works for me. But if it fulfills these simple conditions, then it's, it's kingdom work. 
God created this world a kingdom, not a democracy. Democracy is in it, and that's good, but the world itself is not a democracy, and it's not an anarchy either. It's a kingdom. And the king is Jesus, the Son of God and the Redeemer of God's elect. It is satisfying, you will agree with me, to know that God is the king and you are in his kingdom. And that kingdom is not only honoring to him, it's also good for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your majesty. We thank you for your perfect government. We thank you also that you bring us into that that government as sons, as princes, as subjects, as laborers in your kingdom, doing your kingdom work. Father, we pray that you would conform our hearts more and more to your heart, our minds through your word, more and more to your mind, uh, that we may labor, that we may, that we may uh, uh, give our lives ever more fully in your kingdom work, for there is no other life that is good. There is no other life that is, that is worthy. There is no other life that is pleasing and satisfying for these hearts you have made. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.